0: Abby. I'm Liz, I'm
1: Maria, and I'm Reagan and welcome to our new podcast episode where we will be discussing personal redline stories. Today our stories deal with this idea of lost opportunity based on uncontrollable factors. We'll be starting off today's episode with Abby, Take it away.
0: My mom's coworker, who was unfortunately firsthand witnessed racial discrimination, she was judged based on things she cannot control, such as her name and racial identity. She was not given a fair opportunity and felt hurt and misled through want to grow and thrive as a human being. She was truly not given a fair equal chance to better herself and flourish. at a professional institution that they face on a daily basis. However, Kendra's assets were judged before they were even assessed and looked over, solely based on her name and race. She was not given any advice or help in obtaining a fair mortgage and a deep look into her credit score. She was instead told to use third-party sites such as Credit Karma. She did not receive any professional help and was just brushed away based on things she could not control things that make her no less of a human than anyone else on this planet. They doubted her abilities and achievements before they even knew her situation. The workers at this institution took reading a book by its cover to a whole new level, creating a large flow of racial injustice. Lakendra was robbed of an opportunity to truly understand her credit from a professional point of view, as well as an inquiry into striving for a fair mortgage when i asked the kendra how she felt about this whole situation she responded by saying not so good it never feels good to be prejudged and it reminds me often that i will always be treated differently due to gender and race no one should ever feel that they will face a lifetime full of inequality and judgment because of their race or gender things that do not come close people's opportunities and talents. La also expressed her concerns for this country, saying, we are now in troubling times. We are a divided nation. I do feel like our country is in danger if we are unable to reach a social change. However, she also offered her advice to solving injustices and inequalities with especially those who have experienced inequality solely based on the elements that they cannot control. I do believe by putting our best foot forward, we can begin to move away from any prejudice towards one another and grow in a better sense of unity this country desperately needs. Although LaKendra's experience is terribly sad, injustices and inequalities based on someone's race are not uncommon. Even after steps are made to move forward from any racial discrimination, the lack of unity and compromise within this country has pushed us many steps backward. If we learn how to overcome this lack of communication, I truly believe America can leap way beyond any form of injustice.
1: Alright, so for my interview I did my sister Darby and I know what you're thinking, how could a white girl that was only the age of 12 um, be discriminated against? And my interview kind of goes into the aspect that there are more types of discrimination than just racial, um, which I think everyone gets so caught up with sadly because it's the one that I think happens the most and it's the one that's most talked about because of that. Um, but my interview will kind of go and deal with ageism, which is a type of discrimination that is kind of often forgotten about. So obviously, as I just mentioned, I did my sister Darby. Um, she was born September 2nd, of 2002, and she plays volleyball. She's played school volleyball for nine years and club volleyball for eight years. And obviously, since I'm talking about volleyball, that is what her red line story um, deals with. Um, It took place when she tried out uh, for an OVR camp at Bowling Green, which stands for Ohio Valley Region. After the three days of grueling drills, all of the girls were called into a room one by one where the coaches from the camp would tell them if they made it on the OVR team or not. When it was finally her turn, the coaches ended up telling her that she was too young and because she was too young, she didn't have the experience that they were looking for. She said after that moment she doubted whether she even wanted to continue playing because at a young age those words were really difficult for her to hear and kind of crushed her confidence. And she said to put it bluntly it sucked to be told that she was too young and wasn't good enough. I asked her if she, you know, had turned to anybody for advice, you know, in most situations that's kind of what a young person might do. And she said to be honest she didn't think that she really turned to anyone for advice but since our mom was there and the one that brought her to the camp. You know, she was the one to cheer her up after and on the way home. She told her that although she was denied the opportunity because she was young, she still had time to develop and redefine her skills. And she really loved volleyball, she should stick with it. And that's exactly what she did, she stuck with it. And the next year, she worked her butt off to become a better player, both mentally and physically. She went to the USA tryouts in Chicago and played as hard as she could and lifted it all out on the court. Not long after, she was invited to the USA camp in Colorado to work on her skills and compete with other girls from across the country. The camp was a week long, a week long. Sorry, with the last two days being tournament play. The camp was probably one of the best weeks of her life. She said, and she learned so much from the really awesome coaches and mentors. And she said it was something she'd really never forget. She also mentioned that you know, sticking with it has really helped her to become the person she is today. Um, She said it made her really passionate about volleyball and besides our mother's enthusiasm and support, being told she wasn't, you know, good enough and she was too young, propelled her to want to be the best possible volleyball player she could be. And along with that, now whenever she was told she's not good at something or, you know, she's not the right person for it, she strives to be better at it. She said her red line moment also made her more aware of the mentality regarding various situations. It has taken... A while for her to come to terms with the fact that she doesn't have to be perfect at everything all the time. It is a work in progress, but she says she's getting better at trying to be the best version rather than being the perfect version of herself. And you know, after all that, you know, I asked her if you know she could go back, what would she change? And she said, "Well, I wouldn't change a single thing because I believe that the moment created that spark that ignited her passion for volleyball." And to some, it's just a sport, but for her, as she described, it's a home away from home and it's sometimes even an escape. It's an anxiety reliever and a stress generator, but regardless, she would not change a thing about it because it's what she loved to do. And even though she was, you know, denied such a, an important opportunity that, you know, seen at the time was something that she needed, um, she worked her way through it. And now she just committed to play volleyball at the University of Mountain Union. You know, overall, my thing is about the fact that she missed an opportunity, a factor that she couldn't control, and age is not a factor you can control. Um, obviously, when we're younger, we're less experienced, but the only way you get experience is for doing stuff, and I think that was a great example that, you know, she showed in her story.
2: my group found that our common theme was missed opportunity based on factors that you can't control. I decided to interview my cousin. She was in North Carolina and I interviewed her because she can't attend the college of her choice because of money reasons. Her current plan is to go to two years of community college and then transfer to NC State for the other two years, but she wants to go to North Greenville University. When conducting this interview I decided to ask more general questions along with more more personal questions and overall how it affects her and others. One of the more personal questions I started with is what opportunity do you feel like you are missing by not being able to attend the college you really want to go to and she said in addition to academic furtherance I feel like I am missing out on a family-like community with similar values and standards to my own. It really seems like a place where relationships made there can change your life for the better. I am also missing out on being able to experience a sense of independence that I need to be away from home for a little in order to experience. The next question is, please elaborate on what obstacles you think are in your way. And she said, I think the biggest obstacle in my way is money or lack thereof. I've applied for scholarships, but they may not be enough. Another obstacle may be myself though, because if I had done better academically, I could potentially, potentially, sorry, have a full ride. I then moved on to more general questions. And I said, if college was more accessible, not only to you, but to all those who can't attend, what impact do you think this would have? She said, I think this would have a significant impact if no one was hindered from attending college. Without taking into account the economic effects of this hypothetical and focusing solely on the most ideal situation, I think it benefit many greatly because many would flourish greatly in universities but cannot attend for a plethora of reasons. I then asked, do you think this issue is deeply rooted in our society, society and therefore hard to fix or do you think otherwise? and she said, I think this issue is deeply rooted in our society and that people are so fixated on money in situations where a certain amount of money should not be required. I think it'd be difficult to fix this because it's been so normalized in most college environments, but not impossible. I then asked her a more personal question, which was finally, do you think the positives outweigh the negatives or vice versa? She said, I would honestly say that the negatives outweigh the positives. With my current college plan, I'm not able to experience the feeling of community, life-changing opportunity and potentially, sorry, (laughs) potentially more open doors for me. I think throughout the interviews, I've noticed that while it is an experience personal to us or personal to someone, many people have experienced that for example while not being able to go to the college you can't go to is a personal experience there's also been a love uh, sorry there's also been a lot of other people who can't do that which shows that it's an actual issue or actual problem in a- our society that really ultimately has more negative effects than it does positive
3: Developmental Disabilities. The Lake County Board of Developmental Disabilities, as a whole, administers programs and services for its citizens with developmental disabilities. Eric's main jobs as the Human Resources Director are to oversee all of the human resources functions for the agency, including recruiting, hiring, onboarding, labor relations, discipline, contract interpretation, and compliance with federal, state, and local laws. As stated by the board themselves, the mission of the Lake County Board of Developmental Disabilities is to empower individuals with developmental disabilities to engage in activities that enrich their lives and contribute to their community. Unfortunately, some employees do not have the best intentions even as in what is meant to be an inclusive environment. This was proven through my interview with Eric. After covering the main responsibilities of his job, I asked if he ever felt bad firing anyone and he immediately said no. When asked if he had ever fired someone who he felt did not deserve to be fired, his answer again was a quick no. Both of these answers were kind of surprising. I asked him to go into detail about this, and he said that they have a progressive discipline policy. This means that employees get five to seven disciplinary warnings before they are fired, unless they have a major violation. I then asked if he had witnessed any discrimination in his workplace towards any of the employees or towards any of the disabled individuals. He said yes to both of these and described the scenarios. He received many complaints from white employees that the African-American superintendent was playing favorites towards other black people in the office. However, after looking into them, these claims turned out to be invalid as the superintendent is very fair, professional, and kind to all of her employees. He then explained a recent incident of discrimination in which one of the employees called a disabled individual the arsler. This was obviously considered a major infraction, and the employee was immediately fired. The RSOR is completely inappropriate and ableist. It is wrong to say to anyone, let alone a disabled individual. After hearing about these scenarios, I better understood why Eric did not feel bad firing these people.
0: Mm, I lo-
3: disabilities is meant to be an accepting environment that helps developmentally disabled people, but these employees are making it the exact opposite. These stories are just small examples of how even in places that are meant to be inclusive for more vulnerable people, discrimination towards these people will still occur. In modern day America, everyone is supposed to have equal opportunity for resources and jobs. The superintendent at the board was discriminated against by her employees, by them claiming that she had favoritism towards other black employees, when this was completely false. When marginalized communities reach an opportunity such as the superintendent getting this job, they often face discrimination from people who claim they did not deserve it. Discrimination also took place towards the disabled individuals. In this day and age, we have progressed past using derogatory terms like the arsla. They are unnecessary and offensive, and especially do not belong in a place that is meant to support disabled people. Even when access to opportunities and resources is put in place for more vulnerable people, they will still face discrimination for things they cannot control in these environments.
2: all these stories, although they seem different, going from racial discrimination to ageism and everything in between, they connect through a single idea of an individual being denied an opportunity because of uncontrollable factors. No matter what color, what race, what age, what sex, there is no reasonable excuse to deny somebody an opportunity. We want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope this encourages you to think before you act and to never judge a book by its cover.